Welcome to Fanatical Recruitment, a podcast for higher ed admissions, enrollment, and marketing professionals. I'm your host, Mickey Baines. So today I am joined with Bob Wilmer, a great friend and mentor who's been with me for 7, 10, 15 years. I don't I even know how long. It's been for a while. At our age, other. Mickey, age uh, th- those years don't count. That's anymore. right. We don't. We stopped counting at a certain point. Thanks. Uh, although I will say, I don't know that I'm quite at your age yet. <laughs> so maybe I should still count. Maybe, maybe you're telling me it's time to stop counting. I'm yes. at that age. That's it. That's, That's all that matters. Um, and today, I really wanted to um, talk with Bob. Bob is an executive coach. Um, he, he's worked a lot in with folks changing careers and changing not just career and positions, but changing industries. But helping other budding executives get to that full executive level. Uh, He's done that for many years, um, and he's also helped teach business students, um, teaching many management courses. I was going to take a guess earlier today thinking, you know, if I want to introduce Bob, should I even try to introduce the number of management courses he's taught in his lifetime? And I don't know that... We don't even try to go there because that's something you can't I don't even remember. Yeah, I yeah. just don't. It was just something, it was fun and we did it, you know. Right? And that's how I describe yeah. a lot of things in my life. It was fun, had an opportunity, and did it. Yeah. Um, and when I say that because Bob and I are both ENFPs, for any Myers-Briggs fans out there, you'll, you'll know that um, personality type. And as ENFPs, we move quick. We have lots of ideas. Okay. Um, and, and if you're listening today and you hear the calming sounds of wind chimes, that's because I'm in Bob's office and Bob has wind chimes outside the window and, and Bob kindly offered to take them down. And I said, no, because as NFPs, we need something to help give us peace and give us pace, um, and slow down sometimes. And I think wind chimes are a natural tool to help us. Well, and also uh, pull us back to reality. That's right. Because <laughs> <laughs> we do dream. Yes. We're dreamers. NFPs, <laughs> if nothing off. else, yeah. we're dreamers. So, well, Bob, thanks for joining me today. Sure. And um, something that's been of interest for me for a while, and I'm spending a lot more time um, working on this um, with higher ed leaders, is is the concept of accountability. Uh-huh. I hear a lot, um, I would say at least once a month, uh, from deans and directors and vice presidents and, and even presidents at this point, um, uh, who are coming and saying, hey, I, I need help with my team, usually an admissions team. We need them to be a little more accountable, um, willing to um, meet goal, accountable to meet the goals we're providing them. And can you help us understand how to uh, address that and help them become more accountable? And what I tell them is a line that I stole from you um, that you gave is, and, and it's a line I firmly believe to be true. The only people we can hold are accountable are ourselves. That's correct. Um, and can you tell me a little bit where that comes from? What, what, where, why you use that line? Well, that line comes from my background in, in coaching. Okay. And the school of thought I come from is ontological. In other words, it's how we be in the world. It's, we call it simply a way of being. But when you think about it, you can try to hold lots of people accountable. I've grown up with children and now I have grandchildren. I've tried to hold them accountable. It didn't work that well. You know? <laughs> <laughs> now you tell me. Yeah. I've got a nine-year-old yeah. and four-year-old at home and I'm struggling well, at keeping accountable. Just wait, especially when they get to be teenagers. But accountability is a word that's out there, like many concepts. It's out there. And we seem to look at it. When, in all the years of my coaching with organizations and leaders, we seem to see it as a word, that the word accountability, that when we use it, everybody seems to understand what it is. And what I want to suggest is that accountability is more than a word. It's a word. It's an embodiment of who we are and what we do individually and as a culture inside the organization. 
So most people think I'm just going to start talking about accountability and therefore it shall happen when in fact there's so much more to it than that. So if we want to address accountability, where do we start? That's, I can tell you where I start. Okay. I, I see What I see missing is three things when it comes to accountability. The first thing, strangely enough, is not accountability, it's alignment. What are our vision? What is our mission? What's our purpose? What are our values? What are, how do we define success? Most people don't even know how they define success in the organization. And also then, besides that, what are the critical success factors? So holding someone or a project or a team accountable without really getting clear about what they are aligning to and what we're looking to, to accomplish oftentimes really destroys accountability in itself. Many people will come back and say, I'm being accountable, but I don't know what I'm being accountable to. Mm-hmm. They just know they have to be accountable. To something. To something, yes, yes. The next thing that I find most often is what I call shared meaning or a, a common language. We speak about accountability and if I'm working in a group, if there's 10 people in that group, I'll ask them, how do you define accountability? And everyone will define it differently. Now, it's not key that we open up Webster's Dictionary and look what accountability means. It only means in an organization or a team that we understand what accountability means to the team and how we want to define it. So that if my definition or interpretation of the word is a different than the leader or someone else of the group, that we're, we're, we're aligning ourselves to the same meaning Yes, Okay. that's a shared meaning. So I like to define accountability as simply taking ownership for results that get produced, results that don't get produced, without judging, blaming, rationalizing, simply accepting the fact that accountability may not happen, and I'll put in place a plan to correct that. Okay, and one of the things we said before we recorded, we were talking earlier, is um, that if you're in an organization and you see someone using blame, then you know there's not the right level of accountability or no accountability. Once you hear blame. Now, yeah. I want you to know, once again, as we talk about, about this shared meaning in things, it's tough to hold people accountable that haven't been taught. So I see people going in and talking about a lot of the principles of accountability. And if you want to be accountable, you got to do this, 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 and this, this. And yet forget about the underlying culture. When we speak in language, what we're hearing is through our listening. In other words, what gets communicated is through our listening. And because we are all different people, we come from all different backgrounds, we all listen differently. I'm not talking about hearing. I'm not talking about the biological part. I'm talking about the interpretations that we give to meaning. So even having a shared meaning coming from a culture or a background of distrust will certainly not make accountability something that that is really going to, to flourish okay. out there in our culture. How do I get over that? Mm-hmm. The first step about getting over that is to build trust. But the way to build trust is open up those conversations. That we can have conversations about fear. We can have conversations about what's concerning us. We can have conversations about what's missing in the culture or what's missing individually. Do you? Do you find fear to be the number one reason that holds people back from this? Is that is that uh, generally? I would say that would yeah. yes. Generally, if I had to think of one thing, it fear would be conflict fear. or yeah. fear of many different things. Fear of losing my job. Uh, you know, so we can say it's fear of losing your job, but it could mean just 
people, some people are pleasing, love to please people, they seek approval, they just don't have a confidence. But, you know, it always boils down to fear somewhere along the line. Yeah. I, I, I find that um, a lot of times, I, I find the fear of conflict a lot of times. The conflict or fear of having a, a tough conversation with someone yes. um, standing out and... Um, you can correct you, you. If you have a different approach, you feel free to chime in here. What I typically say to folks, uh, if you're having a regular conversation with someone, then rarely do you ever have to have the big tough conversation because if your conversations are regular and open and have trust involved, right. then you you never get to that point of having needing to have the big or hard conversation because you've been having real conversations regularly. Yes. Well, and I know, Mickey, when you were um, at Albright and, and developing these programs, especially with a, an accelerated program, the key is how short can you make that program? Now, right. when you're talking about how people are perceiving the world mm -hmm. or perceiving what's going on inside that organization, that takes time. Yeah. So the word, we're in a rush, let's get this done, let's get this fixed. It's not about fixing. We don't fix people. Right. People learn. Yes. And we care for them. That takes time if we want to shift that culture around. Right. So those are the first two. What about the third? Third one. One of the things that I know about creating any kind of action is it isn't just about the language or making a declaration or let's go. It's about creating an emotion. Without emotions, by definition, an emotion is simply a predestination or a, a, a predecessor to action. So no emotion, we don't move. We stay put. And oftentimes, what I've been seeing in my work is we'll look at a situation and we won't get clear about what our current situation is. Then we won't spend the time on really defining what the outcome is. And what I know is when that gap, that tension between there is big enough, then that helps create the emotion that has us drive forward. Quite frankly, Mickey, it can become the difference between compliance and commitment. And there are some organizations, there are sometimes commitment makes, I mean, compliance makes sense. But when we have an organization, a culture that's built on commitment to accountability, to alignment, then all our meetings and all our work starts to take that process on. I like that. We, we were talking about compliance and commitment, and not that one's necessarily right or wrong. Right. It's languaging. Right. Um, but there are times you might need compliance. Yes. And there are times you need commitment. Yes, depending on the situation. Mm -hmm. So we call them distinctions, Mickey. Yeah. There's two sides of the fence, but mm -hmm. it, neither are right or wrong. It just, you have to look at the situation and realize which way you want to go. And plus a lot in between. I think that's a, an important point to make that we're clarifying that. Um, so where do I get started if I'm a leader and I need help with this? Where, what do I need to begin if I'm going to try to take action and help my team um, buy into a, a newer level of accountability, we, we need to start. Is, are those three things in order, I guess, is my question. Do we go yes. in that order? Yes. Okay. And why the emotion, too, besides putting yep. you into motion? It's part of the embodiment. Yep. We see ourselves as we communicate to people. We communicate through our language, through our emotions and our moods, and through our body language. All three. Quite frankly, you know, uh, some of the studies show that language in itself, the expression of it, is only 7% of what we communicate. I've heard that. Maxwell. Yes. John Maxwell uses that a yes. lot. 93% of our conversations are, are nonverbal. Yes. So when we can get to the culture that we can walk into a meeting and be clear and be able to express ourselves, express our fear, express our happiness, 
you know, express uh, our, that we're, we're angry and express that we're just not on today. Mm -hmm. When we have that confidence and we can do that, now we know we're starting to be able to introduce that accountability into what's happening. Perfect. Well, Bob, thank you for taking My a pleasure. few minutes here to join us today. My pleasure. Um, it's always great to join you. And the first time I've been in your office in a while, it's nice to hear the wind chimes and help keep me at a good pace as well. Uh, and I thank, every, thank everyone for listening, and we'll see you again soon.